views and opinions expressed by callers, guests, and hosts do not necessarily reflect those of the Black Talk Radio Network and Black Talk Media Project. Black Talk Radio is new black media for the new millennium. Let your wise rise up, see the signs of the times, if it's time, rise up, rise up. When death and hell dwell among all God's people, when those we chose and trusted have become completely corrupted and inherently evil, when the feast that feeds you starves our father's children, when snuff porn and pedo forms begin to get top billing, rise up, when famine claims millions, when justice gives blind eyes to billions. Peace and welcome to New Abolitionist Radio, a program that seeks to educate, inform, and agitate on the issue of 21st century slavery. Hosted by social activist and spoken word poet Max Parthas with New Abolitionist and Actionist Johanan Elia and Black Talk Media Project founder Scotty Reed. On this program, we discuss recent news on legalized 21st century slavery and human trafficking along with projects and people who help combat it. Today, Black August, August 3rd, 2016. We'll go through this week's collections of stories and articles and events with an abolitionist perspective. If you're tuned in here now, you already know we are at one of the most precarious and perilous times in American history, a time when change can become reality or be swept aside in lunacy. People want truth and solutions. The abolitionist movement offers both. But in the words of James Baldwin, who would have just recently celebrated his birthday, not everything that is faced can be changed, but nothing can be changed until it is faced. A rider of the 21st Century Underground Railroad is 81-year-old Paul Gatling. Brooklyn District Attorney Ken Thompson vacated Gatling's 1964 murder conviction in April of 2016 and restored his rights, including his right to vote. 52 years later, he was given back his good name. Our abolitionist in profile is Williams Wells Brown, 1814 to 1884, an African-American anti-slavery lecturer, groundbreaking novelist, playwright, and historian, widely considered to have been the first African-American to publish works in several major literary genres, known for his continuous political activism, especially the involvement with anti-slavery movement. Brown is widely acclaimed for the effectiveness of many of his writings. Expect all of that and more tonight on New Abolitionist Radio. If you like to share a comment or a question, just call us or join in at one six four one seven one five three six six zero. The access code is five four nine zero three two pound. Just press star six and one to queue up from the conference line. Please, Scotty. Greetings, Max. How are you tonight? <laughs> uh, dude, I don't see so many better days, man. It's like it's just so pouring down over here, and I'm trying to focus on what's happening in the moment with the rest of the world too, as well, and the overall picture. But just uh, yesterday, my oldest daughter lost her grandmother to cancer, you know, and then today my daughter went into the hospital for her chemo three treatments for the next five days. My wife is there with her now, so it's just been, oh man, yeah, it's been crazy, dude, real crazy. Um, The thing that's on my mind. More than anything else is Korean uh, Korean games right now. That's the thing that's been on my mind the most because that just sets 
It's just such an example of what we're facing, every one of us. That could have been my little baby girl. Or grandson. Yeah, or grandson. Or grandson. I don't even know, man. Yeah, but yeah and I uh, mean, we're still I was... fighting, we're still here. I'm sorry, go ahead. I just said we're still fighting and we're still here. Yeah, um, but, you know, I hate to to sound like a pessimist, but, I mean, we still fighting, but uh, how many, how much gains are we truly making? I mean, in terms of educating people and um, making more people realize that slavery was never abolished. Yeah, I'm seeing gains on the mass media front, but in terms of actual uh, anybody outside of the abolitionist movement talking about you know, abolishing slavery, like, you know, you and Johanna always say, you know, or we're hearing this reform talk. And, you know, um, as the President Obama uh, releases or commutes the sentences or pardons all these nonviolent drug offenders that never should have been there in the first place, I think he just released something like 50. People will hail that as something big, something significant. Don't get me wrong, it's something big and significant to the individual who's being set free from slavery. It's something big to their family, but in terms of the overall uh, system of slavery that's operating and the number of slaves who should should not be in these prison plantations, you know, it, it, what he's doing is just, it, it's to pacify people and make it seem like, yo, he's doing so much or he's such a great CEO of USA Inc. And all, all this is, is it, it's a concession. But when we're talking about what, what, when we're talking about, I would say at least a million point one maybe who are in prisons and jails over nonviolent victimless crimes whether they be drug crimes whether they be adults engaging in um, a, a transaction that involves sex or what have you I mean they just find any reason to put people into slavery so you know I'm happy for the individual slave that's being set free I'm happy for his family but in the grand you know scheme of things that that's nothing that that doesn't even begin well, to address the world's largest prison look, population i do look at the positive side and i know that in uh, october of the 7th of october the 13th uh which is the uh ava duvernay's documentary will open the new york film festival historically as the first non-fiction documentary to ever uh be featured there as its premiere and that's also going to come out on Netflix, which reaches, well, as you can imagine, many, many millions. So the message has been getting out there, and it's growing exponentially. Just that alone is an example of it, and it's not the only example. Yeah, so I, I mean, I mentioned that on the propaganda front and the mass media front. Yeah, you know, that that's a positive. But I'm talking about, in, are we any closer to abolishing slavery today than we were a day after 1865, March 1st, eight, well, whatever day they they ended the Civil War. Are we any closer to abolishing well, maybe, slavery, or is, are things, in fact, worse? Maybe asking the wrong question. As I said and quoted James Baldwin, happy birthday, by the way, have we uh, faced the problem yet? That's more, of a, I guess, or an immediate and, uh, question that you can ask. Have we faced well, the, the problem answer yet? Well, that's you know, a simple you know, answer. We hadn't even faced the problem. That's a simple answer. Uh, no, but who is we? 
the U.S. Uh, population, I would say, is we and the global population in general because slavery is worldwide now, as we have very well documented. But just here in the United States, because of our personal experiences with it and continuous exposure to it, we haven't even asked the very simple question on a very large scale in our educators and amongst our intellectuals uh, and our mainstream media people who are out there talking all the time. We've never asked the question is slavery over? Not really as a nation. We, we haven't even done that. We've been fighting to get that question out there like it's the last thing we could possibly do. I so don't fight. Hey, I true. don't put the question out there. I put the answer. You know what I'm right, saying? Right. But they got to ask themselves that question because the answer is a fact. Not a, it's not something you got to guess at. It's right there available for anybody that wants to simply ask the question. The answers are right there. We made it sure that we provided our share of the answers so people wouldn't get confused. They would know exactly what the problem is. And it's so simple. Just read the 13th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution, which is why I'm very glad that because of the DNC's events, the Constitution now is the second largest selling uh, book on Amazon. It's only being beat by the new Harry Potter book. But nonetheless, people are finally getting to see what their rights are. Because, I mean, I literally have speaking, spoken to people recently who was telling me things like we need to get rid of the Constitution. And when I asked them, well, if knowing the Constitution by heart is 100%, knowing maybe 10 amendments is 50%, and one or two is about 20%, where would you rate yourself on your knowledge of the Constitution? He goes, well, not that much. I, you know, I don't really, I haven't really read it like that. I don't know, maybe one or two. So I'm like, well, safely then, it's safe to say that you're talking about something that you don't know anything about, right? And that was exactly what was going on. You don't even know what your rights are. How can you defend something and you don't even know what it is? Well, um, I would just caution people on looking to a document produced by some racist white supremacists over 200 years ago and, and thinking that my rights... That establishes my rights. My human rights ain't 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 subject to anybody writing a damn a document. Taxpayer. Don't you pay police to protect Wait a minute, Max. Can can I finish without being? Are are you having a hard time hearing me, Max? Uh, a little bit, yeah. All right, cause I'm trying to talk, man. But it, oh, it's, I'm it's, sorry. It's, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. My bad. Well, like I said. I talk about these issues a lot on on Black Talk Radio News. I point out the fact that um, they're taking our money before we even get it from the employer in the form of taxes. They're forcing us to pay property taxes and all of that. But then that, I don't see how that what that has to do with me not basing my rights on a document written by some racist white supremacist slavers that left out. You know, black people weren't no weren't no none of the black revolutionaries who, without when the American Revolution would have been lost. Okay, none of them were invited to the convening uh, committees and drafting these documents. Bunch of racist white slavers. So I don't put, I don't recognize USA Inc. as having any authority over me. What they do to me by force is another matter. But I still don't base my human rights in the Constitution, my human rights are based in the fact that I'm a, a living, breathing human being. 
okay? And none of them, they didn't create me, all right? I wasn't created in a lab or anything like that, so I had no choice. Nobody asked me if I wanted to be a part of this. So I'm just saying I don't base my rights. And the only thing I care about in the Constitution is pointing out to people that the 13th Amendment says they can put you into slavery by convicting you of one of these thousands of crimes that they make up and throw on the books. That's all I'm saying. I actually think that the Constitution is a good document. Um, I don't. I, I don't see well, yeah, we're all tied to our opinions. I mean, it has some good ideals in it that were actually taken from earlier documents. And, I mean, the, the whole thing about a federal republic, which we have no more, that don't that's non-existence. What is now we have is a corporation called USA Inc. That's a fact. But, I mean, the whole ideal of the nation was based on the Iroquois Federation, based on a Native American a nation that existed here before they got wiped out and murdered by these genocidal maniacs. So, yeah, it got some good ideals in there about freedom and liberty. But again, you know, uh, uh, the only, what are you talking about? You're talking about the Bill of Rights? Well, then the Supreme Court makes rulings that make your Bill of Rights null and void. So if that's the case, if it's all up to uh, uh, the interpretation of eight men or nine men and women, you know, as to what a document says, then, I mean, what good is that document? I mean, if if, if the Fourth Amendment says that you can't search and seize, seize me and subject me to unreasonable searches and things of that, you can't enter into my home without a warrant and things of that, but you can stop and frisk me? but you can just pull me over at whim what good is the fourth amendment that don't mean that don't mean jack to these slave catchers it don't mean jack to the uh so-called justices on the supreme court i mean man i i don't i just don't care about this country man i want this this corporation to be dissolved and let's just start over from scratch i give no deference to that constitution well as you said it comes from another group document which they copied and in that document that we call the constitution which is a framework for justice and equality even though it does have, wasn't meant to apply to us nowhere in it that I see or know of does it say it doesn't apply to us but it does affect people who become slaves and traditionally the, we know where uh, that the 14th, from, that's the 13th amendment the 14th now, amendment it was a couple of amendments that they had to pass Max to make it apply to you. Scotty, conversation takes two. If you want me to stop talking so you can talk, you got to let me finish too. Okay? All right, go ahead, Max. <laughs> All right. So uh, the way that it's set up is we're supposed to have these rights that our children die in wars, that my uh, uncle who raised me died uh, fought in World War II for, that my family fought in Vietnam War, these rights that are supposed to, that we're shared, that we share as citizens of this country. And for what we give to this country, these are the things that we're expecting in return. When they're violated, that's a criminal act. Now, we can prosecute people for criminal acts, and that's one of the things we've been moving towards with the RICO Acts here and talking about those. We can prosecute criminal acts, but when we just give up completely on any kind of framework, then I don't know where you want us to go from there. I mean, if we look at what the Justice Department just did, 
in letting a a person who they just laid out a perfect case and how she violated the Federal Records Act, how she violated the Espionage Act, and then you tell us this was done, that was done, that was this right here, and then you say, well, if it was anybody else, then they would be uh, they would suffer consequences. Then, just like the prosecutor down in this county, um, where this cop, this deputy sheriff's deputy, shot up a black church and faces no charges whatsoever. And uh, uh, a prosecutor said that this shows that you know there is uh, two separate justice systems. So again, man, I everything is corrupt from the ground up to to whatever. I guess I'm yeah. just getting to the point to where I'm just so tired of the charade or having any kind of hope, you know. I mean, it was founded on evil, man. I don't want to keep any kind of remnants of it whatsoever. I mean, and you mentioned, the, you know, this is supposed to apply to everybody. The 13th, not the 13th, but the 14th, I think it's the 14th Amendment, uh, um, and it might be a different amendment. But, yes, they had to pass an amendment to include African descendant. And, and like many human rights people I've talked to said, they ain't ask us before they pass that amendment if we want to be citizens of this country. They ain't ask us nothing. You know, they just did it. Again, white people determining your fate as a black person or a non-white person. So, uh, you know, all this stuff about, you know, look, my father fought in Vietnam. You know why he fought in Vietnam? Because there was a draft going on. They were going to draft his little brother. He didn't want to see his little brother die for nothing. And so he volunteered and took his little brother's place. All right. The reason I went in there wasn't causing no damn constitution or any kind of liberties or, or supposed rights that people. I went in there for the GI Bill for some college money. So let's just keep it real. You know, even World War II, they were drafting people. Didn't nobody have a choice. So, you know, I don't buy this this notion that all these soldiers are dying to protect the ideals of the Constitution. Let's keep it real. They dying to keep white supremacy as a global system in power, whether they know it or not. You know, prior to them inserting that 14th Amendment in there, giving us the right to vote, there was nothing excluding us from voting. It was just something that they were doing. There was nothing in there that said black people can't vote. They simply were doing it, which was illegal to begin with. And then they felt it necessary to have to put something in there to say that we could vote afterwards, which, as I said, there was nothing to begin with. They said that we couldn't vote. They were just stopping us by force of arms from sharing in the same rights that they were having. And it still goes on today, too, don't it, Max? Yeah, and it's an indication of how deeply uh, our entire justice system, our uh, political system has been corrupted. When you see people like Hillary Clinton be given legitimacy as a president, knowing what she has done, that just shows that how deep the corruption is, and how badly we need to clean house from the top down. Oh, we need to clean out our own hearts, like you know, Tanya Free and Friends talk show uh, earlier today they played the speech of Reverend Barber from here in North Carolina and you know they got from it that I thought he was talking about morality and and we need to return to being moral people and then she was like saying well I thought it was about the heart condition yeah it's about yeah that morality 
you know, in Western culture, they usually depict the heart as the center of your moral being, your moral fiber and whatnot. And there is a heart condition going on in it. And I'm going to tell you, it's a bunch of heartless people who don't want to face the fact that they're up against a corrupt evil system run by corrupt evil people and because they don't want to face that reality they just play along with it even though there's plenty of evidence and documentation to show these people are crooks to show they are evil but we want to play the lesser of two evils game damn that like like h rap brown said there is no choice like uh, Boomia recently said, if we need to take out the Clintons uh, by using Trump, then do it. Take them both out at the same time. But people saying there's those the only two choices. No, it's not. No, there, there's Jill Stein of the Green Party. There's Gary Johnson of the Libertarian Party. There are people whose names you could just write in. So you got a choice. What you're saying is you want to be part of the quote-unquote winning team. What the hell did the winning team mean when we all losing? You know, so you got a choice. You got a choice. You got choices other than Hillary Clinton or other than Donald Trump. And regardless of which one of them gets selected, a lot of people, millions, possibly billions of people around the planet still going to continue to suffer. You know, so it's just crazy, man. When people, oh, Donald Trump, he's such a racist. And Hillary Clinton ain't. Come on, y'all. And then we're going to say, oh, we ain't got no choice but to vote for evil people. Well, you got a choice not to vote at all. You got a choice not to pick one of them as president and vote for everybody else down the ballot. So let's just stop making excuses for not having a heart, for not having a moral compass that's worth a damn. We need people who are in uh, the Justice Department and the top echelon to be held accountable. We need our top politicians to be held accountable. We need to stop letting people get away with murder, literally. You can't, it's, it's, it, it is unthinkable that the Attorney General for the U.S. Justice Department can sit before Congress and when told that there's a private industry in our criminal justice system, one for example, which is a traveling industry which carries prisoners from place to place to place and those prisoners were being killed in transit, raped in transit, abused in transit and on their uh, cause of death was put uh, unknown, and this was happening in the thousands, and you as the Attorney General sit there and go, I don't know anything about private prisons or private prison industries. You need to go to prison yourself because of the millions of people whose bodies lay in ruin because of these private prison connections, and you're going to stand in before Congress and act like you don't know nothing about it. Same thing with the head of the Bureau of Prisons. Same thing with the president. We couldn't, we can't get the president to say the words private, for-profit prison if you paid him. It's like you can't find it anywhere. They well, don't exist in this world because he is in support of those private industries that finance their goddamn politics. Maybe, maybe I don't know. Maybe you know we could get him to say it if we was paying him to say it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like the private prison industry. You know the lobbyists are lobbying them to not address uh, these issues. So I, I don't know what it's going to take. You need a lot of disease to catch it. You just need a little bit. 
And that's who, what happened with the initial conditions with the 13th Amendment and transferring things into a for-profit industry later on in the 80s. This is the results of it. It, it spread like a cancer. It didn't even exist 45 years ago. It didn't exist as we know it today. And right now, these companies are among the largest in the entire world, employing entire continents more than anybody else, with prisons blasting and blowing up everywhere you look. Entire nations have contracts with private prisons. They didn't exist 45 years ago. Yeah. Well, we need to. Uh, is, is Brother Johanna here today with us? Um, no, chance? not yet. All right. Well, I guess we can get into our first uh, story, talk a little bit about it, and then do our first break, and then come back and finish it off. You know, on the top of my list, and I know you talked about this too, but it's it's just it has everything in it. It's the Corin Gaines story and what happened there in Maryland with those police. And the things that had happened after that, like it's an unfolding drama that we're watching right here, and uh, it encapsulates a lot of issues that we speak about on a regular basis. You know, I've heard people demonizing this young girl, uh, 23 years old, mother of two, uh, who was shot by police in her own home, stemming originally from uh, what we understand from the research we've seen of certain reporters from uh, littering uh, fines, which she ended up suing for. And then later on, it appears that she was harassed more so uh, during a traffic stop. Scotty, uh, if you want to uh, talk a little bit about it first, uh, we could do that, because as I said, I know you spoke about it earlier today, and I'm, I didn't get a chance to hear your program, so I'm not sure what... Yeah, that was yesterday. Um, look... Um, Again, this is a developing story, so you know we're just waiting on to get more information. But this is this much is known, which is indisputable, is that um, Korean Brown—that's her last name, right? Korean? Is it Korean Brown? Uh, Korean. Say it Bean. again. I didn't hear you. Korean Game. Yeah, I'm sorry, Korean Games. We know she was shot and killed. We know her son was shot and is recovering from his gunshot wounds. We know that the Boston squat team, excuse me, not Boston, Baltimore County squat team uh, members shot her. All right, so that, that much is not in dispute. Now, in terms of her behavior, you know, she came across as somebody who was ready to die, who had enough of harassment, suffering from traumatic stress disorders and all sort of things that that non-white people go through under this racist system now in terms of you know if she wanted to survive that encounter with the slave catchers then no she did not act in a manner that would increase her ability to survive I don't know what was in her mind. I don't know what she had going on. I'm not her. I'm not going to judge her actions like that. Um, but I do would say that, you know, I wish that child wasn't in the room. Uh, if a person is ready to just, you know, do what is known as MECA, Maximum Emergency Compensatory Action, where they had enough and they ready to kill some people before taking out themselves or getting taken out, I, I just couldn't. I can't see doing that as, um, you know, with a, with my five-year-old child and making that decision for my child. So that, you know, I'm going to keep it real. I'm going to be 100% objective. Now, like I said yesterday, okay, that's her behavior. Now, their behavior. 
Now, regardless of her behavior, because we don't know, again, what her state of mind was or, or anything, none of that. So, well, I do know that it was not logical for the squat team to act in the manner that it acted in, knowing full well before entering the apartment building, the apartment com- uh, apartments, that there was a five-year-old child. You made a conscious decision to go into this situation armed with live fire. When I know they make rubber bullets, they make bean bags that have a lot of force but are non-lethal that, you know, you can shoot them with a shotgun. Um, you know, so, I, I, you know, again, an unnecessary murder by slave catchers, and they did not care about that five-year-old. So even if you want to talk about, you know, the woman's behavior and, and whether or not, you know, she could have done something to prevent what happened, we're talking about a five-year-old, though. We're talking about a five-year-old. Um, we hear about the, these slave catchers, you know, uh, uh, ready at the drop of a hat to sacrifice themselves for us. You know, they out there doing it for us to protect our lives and, and what have you, to protect us from the terrorists and protect us from the criminals. But for whatever reason, they thought, you know, it was okay to go into a situation using lethal force with a five-year-old present that they knew full well was there. And, and then I don't know who shot him, but he didn't shoot his damn self. So, you know, somebody has to pay for that. Those are my thoughts on it. Did, did you watch the unedited video where she stopped us police uh, at one time? And also the unedited video of her last moments with her discussion with her son right before she's... Uh, the, yes, I saw both. I saw both of those. Yes, I did, you know. Yeah, I saw her telling the slave catcher on the on the road, if you put your hands on me, you're going to have to kill me, so better be prepared to kill me. I would not tell advise my daughters to engage verbally with a slave catcher like that, all right? Because uh, some of them, like uh, officer, the Cincinnati officer said, what's his name, Freddie Vincent, that some of these white cops looking for a reason to kill you, so... So, you know, that she did what she did. She said what she said. I'm not going to sit up here and act like that's a manner that I would act or I would want my children to act. But none of that has anything to do with the squat team's action in killing her and shooting her son. They, they, she could have been taken alive. They got the non-lethal weaponry. They could have waited her out. Like I said yesterday, what is this? They trying to set records on how far fast they can end these standoffs, you know, like they going for a world record or something, like you ain't got time. Where else you going, do? You getting overtime. They can deliver pizza to you. You could just wait her out. You know what I'm saying? So it's it's just always this aggressive slave catching that seeks to kill you and send message of course to other slaves that if you don't comply you will die well my point in in mentioning those videos is that she was saying was absolutely right um they were going to kidnap her that was their whole basis they're going to she said kill her not kidnap her she said kill her or are you, which video are you talking about? The second one in the apartment or the first one in the car? First one in the car. Yeah, I think she said, kill me. You're going to have to kill me. She she told him they was going to kidnap. I've been working on uh, putting together the footage in a video presentation today, so I got to see it over and over and over again. 
and uh, listen to what she was saying. And she was talking the truth that they are doing that. Now, what she was expressing, and in the way she was expressing it on a legal term, is something we've been hearing quite a bit of coming from, I believe it's the Sovereign Citizen Movement, uh, that challenges these laws and uh, puts people as sovereign citizens. But I don't know enough about that to speak on it in depth. But I do know that due to these violations and that they were willing to just snatch her and her children up and put them in cages and then extort money for from her. Uh, if she didn't pay, then she would remain in the cage and her child would probably go off to some foster home or something like that who would make money on her child. Well, you do know, Max, about, hmm? you do know she had runaway slave status, don't you? Right, right. She she said, you're going to have to kill me. I mean, Scotty, she was very brave. She said all the things that we be yeah, saying. Yeah, Max, but being brave, right? being brave and being strategic. There's a lot of people like, I, I, this guy said it best. He said it better than me. He said this was a young warrior queen, all right, who had all the right positive energy and the spirit of resistance too bad that she wasn't able to be mentored by a warrior to where she would not have given her life over you know in that manner he basically was saying that that was a waste for her to give up her life in that manner uh, you know she's passed and I wouldn't disrespect her, what, her I don't think it's I disrespecting her Max telling, telling yeah. the truth we got lives out there to save. You got daughters. I got daughters. Would you tell your daughter to engage with a slave catcher like that out there by yourself, by herself, especially where we live? Um, I've had conversations about these very instances with my daughter, and I'll be honest with you, uh, from my youngest to my oldest, they all have different reactions that I would expect them to do. My oldest might be the one who, you know, try to talk calmly and take the ticket and keep on moving. My middle daughter might just charm the hell out of the police and they end up writing themselves a ticket. But my youngest daughter is the wild one. She might have done that. She looks a lot like that girl. She hears me talk all the time about this stuff. She knows exactly what's going on. She knows that if she's in the car with her children and they're stopping her for some kind of traffic violation, there is a possibility that she could be killed. There is a possibility that she could be kidnapped and her children taken from her. I don't know what her decision would be, to be honest with you. I, I, my question, and let me just rephrase the question. I'm talking about when she was pulled over in the car and the things that she was saying to the slave catcher, like, you're going to have to kill me and, and those sort of things and, and being combative. Yeah. It doesn't matter if her anger was righteous or not. Would you advise your daughter out there by herself to engage with a Darren Wilson like that, to engage with a Michael Slager like that? Or would you tell them to be codified and cool so that we can handle it after you make it home alive? That's what I'm asking. Right, right. I understand. I wouldn't tell her to say that, but I know that in the heat of passion, you get pretty mad about some stuff. But I am curious about, you know, her level of understanding of this whole sovereign citizen thing because that's really what put, started putting a lot of it into play. The first thing was them stopping her for the, t for the moving violation. But what put it in, made it even go further was, you know, her, I guess, defending whatever position or rights she thought she might have at that point and refusing to, to follow the instructions of the officer. And the officer was wrong, too, because at one point he was telling her, I can arrest you for not having an ID. And as far as I know, that's not the case. 
not having ID is not illegal. Depends on what state. It's not legal. It depends on what state you are in. Yes, remember the college professor in Arizona who got arrested and manhandled by the college security officer and he asked her for ID. Yeah, man. See, this is why I'm saying, man, people, you need to know what laws are in the book according to where you at. You know, but that some of these states, you are supposed to have some ID or they can arrest you until they identify who you are. I think my kids learn by example. And, you know, you can see the videos of where I've been in certain situations and, and what I've said and done. And my daughters were right there with me. And so it happened like last year when we, when Muhaddin the Abaha was kidnapped by the police right there at City Hall on the 4th of freaking July while everybody was singing Kumbaya and we were being racially profiled and they literally kidnapped him and what my reaction was after that it's all visible anyway we'll come back on the other side with that I hear the music you're listening to New Abolitionist Radio we'll be right back after this Black Talk Radio since 2008, providing new black media for the masses. Welcome back to New Abolitionist Radio. Hey, you know, we can argue the merits of her position and what she did and things like that for a while, but let's talk about the actual things that occurred because of this. Uh, as we know, recently with the shooter out in Dallas, the police began using explosives through robots where literally they remote control detonated this man to death. And now uh, with the case of uh, Sister Gain, apparently they contacted her social media uh provider and had them shut down her sites right there while this was going on. Uh, they claim, from what I understand, that people were giving her wrong advice or telling her what to do, but I mean, who knows? She might have been reaching out to let people know what was going on so they could see this live as it unfolded. Right or wrong, I think it, it, in a way, it seems to me like it's cutting her free speech right away right there. And you don't have no free speech on somebody else's platform. That's their platform. That's what we need to understand. That's a private. Facebook is a private platform. YouTube is a private platform. That's why we tell people through Black Talk Media Project: if you don't want to be censored, if you want to have honest dialogue, then create your own platform. Because you know, again, I, I'm tired of people complaining about these other places. But then, when somebody builds something, most other people don't support it anyway. But I just want to make it clear that Facebook—you don't have no free speech rights on somebody else's platform. Why would somebody think that? They should read the terms of service. But we do have a caller. Whenever you want me to get to the caller, Max, I'll bring him up or her up. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure. You want me to bring them in? Yes. Okay. Area code 561. Thank you for calling in the New Abolitionist Radio. Go ahead with your question or comment. All right. All right. What's going on, fellas? It's uh, Sam from South Florida. Peace, brother. Mm. Welcome. Hard to be in Jewish spirits, but, um, you know, it, it is what it is. Uh, 
spirit of desperation. That's what I wanted to say uh, uh, last time when I talked to you. We was kind of talking about this situation, Scotty. Um, spirit of desperation. That's what that that is what you have with people like uh, uh, the, the 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 queen that Corinne just lost James. her life. Corinne James. Corinne James. Yes. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know, and I'm I'm a part of that. I have a spirit of desperation myself. And what you find is we are warriors. All of us are warriors, but we're desperate. We're desperate because regardless of what you do, regardless of what you do, we're being killed. And if you don't die, the rape, the brutality, the, the just just the, the, the terrorism constantly every day. It's, it, it's times, you know, where you can hear the, just the sirens go by and you become so accustomed to it that you 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 kind of you want it around you, but you realize it's some it's an emergency going on. It's something wrong. You get tense. Conversation change. Um, I, I can't remember the name of the movie, but um, it, it's like a slave type movie. And um, this this young young mother, she had I think she had two or three children, and they were coming to uh, take her away and or take her children or something like that. And I forget exactly how it played out if she actually killed her children or if she just gathered them around her and she was going to kill herself as well as her children because she didn't want them to be taken away into slavery. I think that that spirit was suppressed back then, but now it's, it's rearing its, its, its head now, and it, it's rampant. All of us, at any given time, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you guys, you, you guys are older. You guys are our mentors. You know what I'm saying? Who, who we listen to and who we learn from. But this, my, like I, like I always say, Max, my, my generation, it's, it's just a desperation. Right now, mm-hmm. I can get pulled over. Uh, say what now? Yeah, that's no, fine. That's, I, I understand I, desperation. I, I, she had VGQ, just like the Dallas uh, uh, Sergeant Johnson. I promoted him as Sergeant. Uh, Sergeant Johnson, uh, what's the guy name in Baton Rouge? They got VGQ. That means victim qualified status as they fight against, they make a decision on how they're going to go up against racism or, or white supremacy. But I'm just saying, though, I'm just saying that what she did was not, if you're going to just say, I've had enough and I'm ready to commit Mecca, do it without your child and take a whole bunch of them slave catchers with you instead of you being the only one gunned down in the home. Again, I'm just speaking hypothetically because I don't know what what happened, what was in her mind, what she planned to do. But I'm saying we can't let emotions rule us. We are in a war. Emotions will get you killed on the battlefield and it'll be a senseless death. You write about that, Scotty. But what we have is we're not codified, and we're not military. Like, we haven't been built in that military mil, military uh, aspect. So we don't, like, okay, I won't, I, I'll say we because I include myself in that, but I've been to prison. When I went to prison, they, everything was about military. So I learned more about discipline. Um, I had guys always talking to me about different religions and, and about culture and stuff like that, in and out of prison, as well as now. So I got, I, I got, a, I got some things, you know what I mean. What I'm speaking of is in desperation. I'm not saying what she did was right, you know what I mean. If if that's the way she played it out, right? She was ready to just kamikaze, you know what I'm saying, and and, right. and, and whatever. 
with her child there. You know, of course that that's wrong. You see, you 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 always have to be in protection of children. But what I'm saying is, this spirit of desperation that it's not even floating in our communities. It has settled in our souls and in our spirits. And when you when you're desperate like that, right, you think of what you love. You think of what you care about, and you take those things, you want to take those things with you. You want to take all of that with you. If you got to go, if you got to, if you got to be enslaved and you don't want to go that route and you, you, you're not going to do it, you want to take everything that you love away from that pain that you, that you see yourself about to go through. And that's what, that's what's happening, Scotty. That's what, if, if we're going to get more news, of course, about the Korean game situation, but I think... I'm just speculating. I think that that is that's 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 what happened by the videos. She's telling yeah, her she son was fed she up. Those videos. No, go ahead. No, I'm just saying it's no, obvious just, to me she was under a lot of stress, I, like I, many of us, I, and what have you. So I'm not I'm not I, criticizing what she's doing. Did I'm analyzing I'm it so that other people out there who may find themselves in similar situations, I mean, if you make it up in, again, I'm not saying this is what she did. I'm not saying she had it made up in her mind that I'm going to die tonight, you know, because uh, I ain't going with them, so they're going to have to kill me. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know, but there's nothing I can tell a person like that. They're going to do what they're going to do. But if you a person out there that you ain't trying to die, let's just be real. Even soldiers are trained to act in a codified manner to survive the situation to live to fight another day. Don't do something that, you know, unless you intending to commit Mecca and, and die in the act, you know, I, I just think that's all I'm trying to say. Now, in terms of the, the slave catchers, yeah, in terms of the slave catchers, there is no excuse. And since when do they send send police to your house for misdemeanor uh, charges because you missed your first appearance court date or whatnot. I know they're going to issue a warrant, but they don't usually send them after you on no misdemeanor. They do that on the regular, Scotty. They do that on the regular. Do they? Well, you know where I'm at. They do that. And as you were saying before, I thought to cut you off, as you were saying before about the IDs, that's been in that's been in law down here. I'm I'm 37. That's been in law down here for over 20 years. If you don't got your ID right, they can just ride up on you. You know what I'm saying? Just look at you and just pull you over, ask you for your ID. Now I know they not supposed. You know it, it, it's a slave catching thing. So I always felt like they wasn't supposed to do it. I'm not exact on the law, but I'm like I'm a citizen. I'm here. Then you all about the illegal aliens and stuff like that. But if you don't have your ID, they will actually detain you. They will actually detain you and who knows, throw a charge on you. What you have with, with them coming into her apartment, that any, anywhere, first of all, anywhere is public housing or a homeowners association, more, they're always in cahoots with the local police, service, uh, 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 local police, the sheriff, uh, uh, county police, uh, FHP, Florida Highway Patrol. They're in cahoots with them. So at any given time, all the databases linked, are linked up. People that have warrants, people that have, you know, little bench warrants, probation, all of that stuff. They have all of that highlighted. So they don't they don't use any discretion when it when it comes to like how they would do with a white person. They don't use they don't knock on the door. They could have waited till this young lady came. They already knew where she lived at. You could have waited till she came out the next day. Called her shopping or somewhere. You they knew this this woman very, very well. 
you have a situation, it's just a death squad. They went in there to murk her. They either went in there to murk her or to kidnap her. And I formally believe kill because with the suit that she had against them, just all kind of stuff. Them going behind after the incident and taking stuff off, off of uh, the internet and stuff. That spirit of desperation, like I said, I don't know if y'all know what movie I'm talking about, but that spirit of desperation is real. We're going to have more and more and more and more black, melanated people. Not just, I won't just say just consider black, but melanated people that go through this. That, like, as you call this, uh, Scotty, Mecca. Just go in with the, with the intent to have a, a mind of kamikaze and just go ahead and just end it. If you live right, you get killed. So I might as well go ahead in. So I, I just I, I can't wait till more of the story comes out so we get more more uh more facts and stuff. But you guys are dead on. And I, I appreciate the discussion and I'll mute my line. Thanks, fellas. You're welcome. Oh. All right. Q and A Q is cleared. Some more information that has come out from this story. I got one from APR, and I'll start uh, midway through it. Says Police Chief Jim Johnson says Gaines was posting video of the standoff to social media as it was unfolding, which prompted police to request the deactivation of her accounts. Gaines' Facebook page is now reactivated. It does not have any videos visible to the public. As a matter of fact, I, I went and visited her webpage, got like just a few pictures on there left, and that's it now. On Instagram, one video apparently recorded during the standoff remains. It appears to show Gaines' five-year-old son responding to her questions. She says, what's happening right now? Who's outside? He says, the police. And what are they trying to do? She says, what are they trying to do? And this five-year-old boy says, they're trying to kill us. A second video now deleted shows a police officer with a gun drawn at Gaines' door. Facebook and Instagram have not responded to NPR's request for comment. The Associated Press reports on how the situation unfolded. The standoff Monday began from after three officers went to Gaines' apartment to serve arrest warrants on her and her boyfriend, Kareem K. Courtney, 39, according to the police. He left the apartment with the one-year-old boy before the standoff and was arrested. Gaines' mother... Rhonda Dormius told the Baltimore Sun her daughter ignored Courtney's pleas to surrender during a Facebook call Monday. Dormius said she heard him tell Gaines it wasn't worth it to just come on out. And when the phone went dead, Dormius went to the scene but wasn't allowed to speak to her daughter. Something she said might have helped calm her daughter and end the situation peacefully. I do feel like they didn't want to hurt her, Dormius said, but I don't feel like they exhausted all the means of negotiation. Gaines bench warrant stemming from charges during a March 10th stop include disorderly conduct and resisting arrest. So she was arrested for resisting arrest. Authorities say she was armed with a 12-gauge pistol grip shotgun that was legally purchased last year and toward the end of the negotiations pointed directly at an officer and said, if you don't leave, I'm going to kill you. An officer shot at her and James fired two shots but missed the officer's Returned fire and killed her instead, police said. Gaines' son was struck in the exchange and is hospitalized with non-life-threatening injuries. Police say it's not clear which gun was responsible for his injuries. You can read the rest on New Abolitionist Radio, but I don't for a moment think that his mother shot her own son. She said, with my opinion, what she should have said, get the hell out of my house before you take this bullet. That's where I feel about it. Because I tell you, Scotty, 
they're not taking me in for no bullshit. I'm not going to spend the rest of my life in jail or prison because somebody tried to get me on a traffic stop. I mean, it's just too many times that happens. I'm just not, dude, because they just keep building well, things. Man, There's no guarantee I'll ever get you. out. That, I mean, you grown. You a grown person with your free will, and if you want to go out like that, who's to say? Who's to tell you not to? If you want to go out like that, go out like that, Max. But I'm not going out like that. I mean, it was just last year. You know, I fell a little bit behind on some child support, and they came and got me and kidnapped me and took me and put me in jail in Charlotte. And people on Facebook freaking out. You know, where is he at? And and you know, and, and all this and that. But I was not gonna die. You know, what I'm saying I I, I I know my people gonna get me out. You know, it wasn't but a small amount. You know, why they wasted the money to come send people after me instead of just allowing me to catch it up was stupid. But I wasn't going to die for that and say, you know what? I'm not going. I'm not going to let y'all slave catchers take me in today. Just go ahead. You know, before you, you know, come in here, you gonna I'm letting you know now you're going to have to kill me. And then I'm putting everybody else in the house at risk. I'm just going to keep it real, Max. I'm not going to die over no stupid stuff like that. I, if, if they take me in and I die in jail because somebody killed me, then I die in jail. But I'm not putting my family's life at risk, you know, by resisting slave catchers when they got me outgunned and, and just everything. I'm just not going to do it, man. They're, they're, we need too many people. We can't be losing soldiers over suicide missions that ain't going to make a hill of damn beans. At the end of the day, her death ain't going to matter in terms of ending the system of slavery. It's not, it's not going to matter. Her sacrifice, if she want to say she was sacrificing herself, other people want to say she was sacrificing herself, it ain't going to matter. If I'm going to sacrifice it. myself, I'm going out like Sergeant Micah X. Johnson. Scott, why am I even on this station right now if my opinion doesn't matter? I didn't say your opinion didn't matter. I told you Everything that's I your you opinion. Con contradicting it. Like, is it. like you're angry at somebody today. And I seem to be the person here at the time. I mean, I am like angry. That. I'm angry, man. I'm angry. I stay angry. You should stay angry, too. I should stay angry? Oof. I'm dealing with sorrow too much to deal with anger at the moment, but usually I am. Well, you can use anger better than sorrow. Yeah, it's a better emotion. You can draw more off of anger than you can off of sorrow because sorrow leads to depression. But I didn't say, Max, that your opinion didn't matter. I'm just, you know, what I'm hearing from you sound like you want to go out there and sacrifice yourself. And you too important to this movement and doing too much good in order for you to just, you know, say, you know what, I'm tired today. I'm just going to, you know, let these slave catchers kill me. I can't afford to be in prison either or jail. Just not, I, I wouldn't survive it. It just wouldn't happen. I had to make a choice. Well, that's Max. I don't know what all you got going on personally. And, you know, 
these are decisions that individuals had to make for themselves. She made in Korean gangs made a decision um, um, that she wasn't going in and they was going to have to kill her. I just happen to not agree with her decision. And that's okay. That's not meaning that I'm saying she deserved to die because they could have took her in alive. In fact, they had a duty to use non-lethal means considering there was a five-year-old child who did not make any decision to be put in that situation. Yeah, I, I don't even want to argue whether I agree or not. I'm just want to. I'm observing what's going on and trying to make sense of the whole circumstance put together. You know, like just the whole bringing these warrants to a house with armed men over charges like resisting arrest. Yeah, you know, that don't make no about sense. We here on the program before how you can be charged and arrested for resisting arrest. It's like the chicken for the egg or something going on right there. But apparently, that's what happens. It's what happens when you. Uh, don't comply. You die. It's often. Yeah. Well, I no argument in here. Well, let's get on to another story, Scotty. I'll leave it to you to pick it up, pick this one because uh, I know you've been on point throughout the week with a lot of things going on in this. Like, well, actually, Max, in our planning program here, that's just overwhelming amount of information. Yeah, actually, Max, you know, I didn't, you and Johanan produced the program. Uh, actually, you know, the stats have come out, man, for the station at the first of the month. So my, these past few days, I've been in it, man. So, you know, you know what the stories are. So anything you need me to share, just, you know, point it out to me. All right. Um, well, one of the other stories I guess we should put out is uh, about some people who are getting their freedom as of recently with, the story that we've been covering here for a few years about Annie Dukin, uh, you know, and I, through our own research, we found out that this chemist, Annie Dukin, and her uh, cohort, who was also working in the same office, if uh, Johanna was here, you could probably tell me her, her name, the blonde haired white woman, were uh, prosecuted and convicted of falsifying these drug reports to get false positives, and it affected upwards of 40,000 cases. And uh, she served just a couple of years in jail. As a matter of fact, she just got out recently, from what I understand. But we're talking about 40,000 cases, and for quite some time, nobody was investigating any of them. But recently, uh, one woman was freed uh, because of the investigation for this. She had been sitting in prison after Annie Dukin caused her to go to prison with a false drug report. And we reported here, as well as I said earlier, that 14 states use this incentive mm-hmm. where crime labs or lab technicians, either the crime lab itself or the individual lab technicians, are offered incentive for positive drug or alcohol reports. And uh, in that one office, there were at least two people who have been exploiting that for years that affected upwards of 40,000 cases. But this is happening across the entire country, uh, 14 states. So I'm going to post this here. I knew North Carolina, one of them, I think. Huh? I think North Carolina's one of those states. Yeah, I think it is. So I'll post this here on New Abolitionist Radio. I don't know if uh, you'll be able to get it on in a minute or so. We'll see what happens. It's from uh, the story that I just put there is from Coliseal.com. And it's one of the young women who were just released over this 40,000 people affected by one single woman that's not counting her cohort that's not counting the 14 states that also have the same incentive to prosecute people for profit so it shows you exactly how this is all about prison for profit 
um, I, I have a quick question, though. Um, yes. This particular article, article says that, whoa, chemists purposely put black people in prison tampering evidence. But if I'm not mistaken, it was, it was more than black people. I think it was, you know, pretty much uh, across the We're board. Cause more the black cause. Yeah. I'm sorry, I couldn't hear you. Yes, man. it was across the board. Yeah, yeah, but I'm pretty sure yes, that it probably was, was the board. probably was black people who made up the majority because you know they gonna be the majority who are arrested for these type of uh, things uh, or uh, allegedly right. uh, doing these things, but. Um, uh, this chemist we're talking about, she's a non-white person too. I think she's of Indian descent. I don't know if she was born here or she came here from India. Um, but um, Annie Dukins is a non-white person, a proxy racist who was getting paid butter biscuits to put these people um to to help put these people into slavery by tampering with the evidence. And it is like Max said, you know, um. This is not uncommon across the nation. So here is the report. Let me see if I can cue it up. Anderson Cooper is keeping them honest. AC 360, CNN weeknights, 8 Eastern. It was refreshing because I didn't think it was real. <laughs> but it was real. Until last week, Meliza Johnson was doing about three years in prison on a drug conviction. Then she was suddenly set free. What is it like to be out of prison? Freedom. <laughs> Yay. I can breathe. Free because of the bizarre alleged actions of this woman, former Massachusetts chemist Annie Dukin. You tell us what happened. The state of Massachusetts is accusing Dukin of tampering with drug evidence that could call into question at least 34,000 cases going back to 2003. 34,000. At the moment, she faces only three charges. However, in Boston alone, the DA estimates as many as 500 convicted felons could be set free. How big of a mess is this? At this point, Susan, we don't know. At this lab now closed by the state, Dukin allegedly mishandled drugs seized by police for evidence at trial. She allegedly estimated the amount of drugs at times by simply looking at them and certified some drugs as cocaine that are now testing negative. She didn't just write down the wrong thing. Prosecutors accuse her of doctoring evidence to change test results. She would take uh, known cocaine from an area that she knew was cocaine and actually add them to the sample to make it cocaine. Dukin is also charged with lying on the witness stand about the credentials on her resume, including a master's degree in chemistry she never received. But the question is why? Was Dukin trying to help police? Was she trying to make herself look good? So far, it's a mystery. The only thing we know is what's in this court document, where investigators say at first Dukin denied doing anything wrong. But they say Dukin later admitted, quote, I screwed up big time. I messed up. I messed up bad. It's my fault. In some cases, Dukin's alleged tampering may have destroyed solid police work. In others, it may have wrongfully convicted the innocent. This is the most egregious situation because this is government-tainted evidence that has been presented against these individuals. How can something like this happen? I don't have the answer for that. The community has no confidence right now in the justice system because they're being told that the scientific evidence, which we're all supposed to depend on, you know, in the year 2012, is faulty. We tried unsuccessfully for two days to reach Dukin's attorney. Dukin's free on bail wearing a court monitor. 
Judges are in the process of staying sentences and setting felons free on bail until everything's sorted out, making moms like Stephanie Cooper nervous. I do worry for my safety, you know, and um, my son also. Community organizer Michael Kozu is worried about what will happen to this Boston neighborhood. What we're concerned about with people getting let back out is that it's going to go back to what it used to be. Meliza Johnson insists she was wrongfully convicted of intent to sell crack on the street. After serving about half her sentence, she's free for good and plans to challenge her conviction down the road. What she cannot get back are the nearly two years she lost with her daughter, born eight weeks before she was sent to prison. I lost my child. I lost custody of my child. And I don't know how I'm going to fix that. What do you think of the chemist who's now accused of... She destroyed my life. But I forgive her. But as long as I have my daughter, that's all I care about. Susan Candiotti, CNN, Boston. You are tuned in to the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts and live program scheduling, visit us on the web at blacktalkradionetwork.com. Peace and welcome back to New Abolitionist Radio. We put further stories up there so you can get more in, uh, educated on the Annie Dukin circumstances and these uh, institutions that are giving out incentive, cash incentives for false positives. Fourteen different states are doing it. When she said, uh, how could something like this happen? And the woman said, I don't know. Well, we do know. And we just told you how something like this could happen you're dangling this, these dollars in front of these chemists and they thinking to themselves, well, it's just a name on the list. It's nobody. I, I mean, I could just falsify a few and she could falsify a few and a few more every year, year after year, and, it's, and get away with it. But you can't put a measure on how much is lost by each and every one of those individuals. This woman lost her children behind your ass. Like literally, and two years of her life. And she's just one example. I mean, why, why does this woman have to go through anything? Automatically, her children should have been given to her the day she got out of prison. She should be compensated as well for pain and suffering because That's that was why, the yeah. state's responsibility. Right. I mean, she should be talking about a lawsuit, you know, not just to vacate the sentence, but a lawsuit. And, and then this again, this is frustrating. I understand why people always say, I forgive them. I forgive him. Shoot me down in the, kill my mama up in the church. I forgive you. I ruin my life, cause me to lose my children. I forgive you. And I know they do that. Some of them do that so that they don't let the anger, I guess, eat at them from the inside. And, and then they're just, you know, living in misery, ate up by the anger. But no, you ain't got, you know, no. I, I, hey, once you have repaired me, once I have received reparations, then we can talk about some forgiveness. Not before. Terrible, man. And, you know, what happened to her is probably what would have happened to Corinne Gaines had she complied. She would have had to go through something very similar to losing her children, being prosecuted. But imagine that, you know, you don't even do drugs. Like, you ain't never touched coke in your whole life. 
and suddenly prosecutors charging you with, you know, cocaine violations. <laughs> you know, you driving under the influence of cocaine. He's like, huh? How the hell? And nobody believes you because the state has provided evidence that there's coke in your bloodstream. Well, I want to uh, remind listeners out there involved in law and law enforcement that uh, this is the case. Please be advised. And in the meantime, other stories are coming out, too, that are kind of showing how this is all tied together. We're talking about this war on cops and how cops are being killed and, and you know, it's us against them and Black Lives Matter is the enemy. Well, the information has come out now. The data is out. And we are at one of the lowest times in history, uh, American history, where cops are being killed. During Ronald Reagan, 101 police killers. During George Bush, 90. During Bill Clinton, 81. During George Bush, 72. During Obama, 62. The numbers just don't fit what you're being told. It's really just that simple. They're just being, uh, what do they call it, sensationalized. Scotty? I don't have any comments because I get in trouble talking about slave catchers. I don't have no comments on slave catchers being killed. Especially today. Well, you know, there are people fighting against that. One of the ways we're fighting against it is September 9th, we have a national, there's a national prison work stoppage that is scheduled uh, for September 9th of this year. They're asking people to stop doing all work in prisons, no matter what their work may be. No more freebies, no more slave labor for 11 cents an hour. Don't even sweep up at the floor because that's not what you're there for. And uh, they recently, the IWW Incarcerated Workers Organizing Committee is trying to put this together to unionize these laborers in prison. And they recently sent out a uh, request for them to be recognized through the prisons, and it came back a public denial notification. Title of the publication, Industrial Workers of the World, One Big Union, 2001. The above listed publication has been reviewed and denied in accordance with the board policy 03 dot 91 uniform offender correspondence rules for the reason check below and the reasons was the entire publication advocates prison disruption <laughs> wow you could have just wrote in you're threatening our slave labor and it would have been the same exact thing but apparently they have been not denied uh, the ability to operate as a legitimate union using prison labor uh, which is being exploited right now I'll put that up so everybody can see it. Remember, that's September 9th. If you know somebody inside, let them know so we can all participate in this and bring light to this prison slave labor subject. Scotty, anything on the IWW Incarcerated Workers Organizing Committee and efforts and accomplishments so far? I mean, as long as I, I really don't have any comment on the tactics that they're using, um, but again, this is slavery, you know, so just think about unionizing slaves, you know what I'm saying? Because that's really what, what you're looking at. And then at the same time, I'm kind of afraid that if you unionize prison labor, that you're then legitimizing slavery, you know? So I, I need to get this more thought. Well, I'm in agreement with the strike, and I understand where you're coming from on that. And I, as like you, I have to give it a little bit more thought, but I'm certainly in agreement on the strike. Yes, yeah, so I'm in agreement with that too. To what's going on in these prisons? Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely for enslaved persons doing anything they 
can to disrupt plantation operations. So I'm definitely uh, um, down with them on the strike. Um, one of the other stories that I want to touch on today was, you know, I was watching the DNC, and at one point I saw the seven women who had lost children come up and speak. And then you did a story on that and a video on it as well, where you, you know, mentioned how they never really got into detail about how their children died, you know, which was amazing in itself. But while I was going on and Sandra Bland's mother was, you know, up there talking about not all cops are good, breaking news came out of Texas where the police officer turned on the union and exposed the cover-up in Sandra Bland's death. Uh, so that was happening simultaneously. And I'll read to you some of this uh, from Bipartisan Report. It said, in an interview with Huffington Post reporter Michael McLaughlin, Prairie View police officer Michael Kelly said that some portions of his initial incident report regarding Bland's arrest were removed. The portions removed were those that gave an unflattering view of the police officer who arrested Bland. Kelly also stated that he was threatened for speaking out about what he witnessed during the July 10, 2015 incident. Bland died in a Waller County, Texas jail last year, three days after being arrested for allegedly assaulting Trooper Brian and Senior. The department said that Bland had apparently committed suicide, a possibility that her family denies. The case made headlines across the country, and many critics and activists questioned why Bland had been arrested in the first place on this traffic violation. Kelly told the Huffington Post, and when he arrived at the scene, Bland was already in the backseat of the squad car handcuffed. The incident, Kelly said, began as a routine traffic stop and that the arresting officer and senior had turned off his body camera. Kelly stated that when he arrived, he overheard that and senior admitting that he wasn't sure what charge to file against Bland. Kelly states that and senior's admission was removed from the official incident report. Uh, and here in big letters, it says, my opinion is that he messed up. He did not have probable cause to detain her after he pulled her out of the car. Kelly also stated that it appeared to him that the 28-year-old Bland had been struck in the head. Another po portion of his incident report that seemed to have been removed from the official record. She said that uh, you hit me in my head, didn't she? I recall her saying yep. that. She said you That's hit it. me in my head and, you know, I have seizures. I remember that. And they took it out of the report. She had a large mark on her head. Maybe she fell when she was in handcuffs. Maybe she got kicked. Kelly told Huffington Post that Bland had complained about pain from the head injury but wouldn't cooperate with the EMTs. Kelly said that law enforcement officials edited his two-page draft report down to less than a page, then included it into the official records without his approval. Without his approval. Wow. Kelly also said that he was threatened when he requested a change to testify before the grand jury that investigated Bland's arrest. Kelly stated that Assistant District Attorney Warren Diaperin threatened him and his career. He told me it wouldn't be good for my career. Then I told him I was going to talk to Sandra Bland's mother's attorney, and he told me I was going to be beneath the jail. That's a death threat right there. Denials from this is from he saying it came from a district attorney threatened to see him dead. Denial from Insinia's lawyer, Chip Lewis, were issued quickly. Lewis questioned why Kelly had waited so long to speak to the press. He also argued that another Prairie View officer didn't report Insinia wondering how to change Bland. Lewis stated, I don't think it's worth the paper it's written on. 
They're completely contradicted by other eyewitnesses. Kelly himself is a figure of some controversy. The 33-year-old officer was indicted for official oppression in the misuse of a stun gun on a Black Prairie View council member. So apparently he was uh, he oppressed a Black Prairie View council member. I mean, he uh, tased one and was indicted for official oppression. Uh, as to why he waited so long, there's your answer right now. He was part of the good old boys club until his conscience got to him. There's one more quote I'm going to read to you, and then you can read the rest on the Revolutionist Radio. He says, he never approached me, my first assistant, or any member of my staff with any such information. His job was never threatened by me or my staff. This is from the DA, by the way. And I barely knew who he was before he was indicted. I can only imagine that this is an attempt to divert attention away from the crime committed against Councilman Miller and to cash in on the media attention and sad circumstances surrounding Mrs. Bland's death last year. That is the uh, reply coming from the district attorney. Scotty? Um. Again, you know, people. I've been hearing more on more than one occasion talking about changing things from the inside, and I don't want to discourage anybody from doing anything. You know, because we do need to have people in places, in all places, so that we can get information. You know, um, and I'm talking about in in inf- infiltrating, like spook the spook who sat by the door or something like that. But again, though, for those people that think that you know us becoming cops, us becoming slave catchers, us becoming you know plantation overseers, that we gonna be able to make things better and change it from the inside again. It ain't no changing slavery from the inside, man. You want to abolish it. They changed it after 1865. So, you know, now we got what we got today. So change ain't always good. You know what I'm saying? You, We need abolishment in, in these cases. And so when we have people who work within the system, you know, every once in a while, these stories will emerge where you'll get a whistleblower um, who will tell the tale, but then what happens? All their union buddies, all their fellow slave catchers, the prosecutors, the whole system, turn on them, man. It turns on them. So again, Max, this is what I'm talking about, man. You know, um, um, I don't put no faith in, in nothing that they have set up, and, and it's just incapable of delivering justice. Because when a person wants to practice justice, look what happens to them. They turn on him. They tell you that he's a liar and all this and, and all of that. Why that man got to lie about that? You know what I'm saying? But we've seen yeah, it too exactly. often. Why does he have to lie about that? Cashing on attention? What are you talking about? He's risking his freaking life. You already told you the DA is threatening to put him under the jail. Yeah, he's going to be known as a race traitor to the to hey. the uh, good old boys, you know? So there's no benefit from what he's doing right now. He's taking a huge risk. Um, it's, it's terrible, man. It's freaking terrible. And again, you know, while she was on the stage... Supporting Hillary Clinton, one of the architects of mass incarceration. Max, yes, um, we do got Johanan, but Johanan, hold on, bro, because this person been hanging on for at least five minutes. Uh, area code 301, thanks for being patient. Go ahead with your question or comment. Hey, good evening. How you doing, Max? How you doing, Scotty? I'm Peace surviving. Hey, listen, Welcome I to want Revolutionist. You, I want you, if you guys could, give me, give me, give me, just a good five minutes just to to um, 
I don't know about five minutes, bro. That's a long time in radio time, but go ahead and say what you have to say. Okay. Don't take this personal, Scotty or Max. Yes, sir. But I've been listening to y'all for quite a while tonight, and I don't ever want to hear neither one of y'all get into a verbal confrontation on the radio ever again. Yeah, I don't want to hear it either. Hold on. Scotty, you have built a, a radio network that is unsurpassed right now on on podcasting, on podcasting as well as just however people want to listen to you in your in all your shows. As far as the anger thing. I'm going to ask you, Scotty, did you take your medicine today? But no, I didn't. And actually, I sent Mass a, a message as to why I'm agitated. Because, no, I haven't okay. had my medicine. And I'm kind of okay. amped up right now. Okay, I understand. You know, but anger will get you nowhere, Scotty. You know that. At heart, you know that. Anger, anger built this you. network, sir. Well, it, it, but you, you end up turning people off because of that. We understand you can talk about slavery all day, every day. And you can sit in your room and build up anger all day, every day. In the end, you're not accomplishing anything but making yourself sick and stressed out. That's about all you're doing. So what I'm calling tonight is to ask you and Max and all your other uh, radio stations that, 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 that are uh, subscribed to, to you Start coming up with solutions. Let's talk. Let's just seriously start talking about solutions. And I always, when I when I go around in my day to day travels, I always try to look for somebody that's in a position of some type of authority. I'm and I'm speaking about about black men in in particular. You know these highly educated, so called educated uh, steppers, if you want to call them that. You know that have influence that have they're in the know they know some people who know some people who know some people who can get some things started if not get some things accomplished and so when you start having a radio show that talks more about getting some things started and, and some solutions going you're going to attract a whole lot more listeners because people are going to want to get and rally around what you're trying to do but if you're constantly just getting on here and you're talking angry and you really just rehash what you talked about yesterday and the day before that, the week before that, you're actually self-programming yourself to stay in a vicious cycle, in a vicious circle of anger. I don't want to see that happen to you, brother. I okay. Uh, well, I understand and I accept that, that concern, but I don't think what you stated is accurate. I'm angry tonight, as I stated. I have not had my medicine. There are some other things that's going on. I apologize to Max behind the Sorry, scenes for Sorry, losing. I understand what's going on with you. Yeah, for losing my temper or uh, whatnot. But I stay angry, sir. I stay angry. And I don't let anger 
affect me emotionally to where I have bad blood pressure and stuff. I'm 50 years old. I can master my emotions. When I say I'm angry about something, that's more of a statement of how I feel about something. I'm not going to be happy about slavery. I'm not going to be um, I'm not going to be uh, ambivalent, ambivalent about slavery. I'm not going to be apathetic about it. Many people, you what what you might be taking as anger is my passion. You know, I had this conversation with people in my family. When I talk, I'm very animated. I, I I'm very passionate at times. You know, this is why people request for me to be to come to their events and speak, which I don't do because I don't like being around crowds of people or whatnot. But but so let me just say, don't misinterpret. You know, my anger as being unproductive or I'm out of control or, you know, tonight is the first time me and Max have ever had a verbal, well, we've disagreed before. Yeah, we disagreed in the past before, but it was, let me finish. Let me finish. I'm pretty sure that. But all I'm saying, Scotty, yeah, I probably misinterpreted your anger as, as being genuine and authentic as far as just being an angry black man, so so to speak. But at the same time, I just I just, you know, just trying to get you to redirect some of your energy to 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 coming up with solutions. Well we have a and, solution, and, sir. And, and you got you got some you got some influence, Scotty, right now. The solution to ending slavery of, is abolitionism, right? That's the and, that's and, the ultimate solution. That's you know, when when people say I hear that a lot, sir, and I'm not just directing this at, at you, but I hear this a lot directed at black people talking on the radio or program hosts and whatnot. Well, we hear y'all talking about the problem. Well, where's the solution? Well, we offer solutions, and we bring people on who are working on uh, using their specific skill set to affect change. You know, we got people part of the abolitionist movement, which is what? We're over 2,000 members now, and some of them have run for political office, and they are getting things done, and they are working on the issues. So, bro, I'm just saying that, you know, listening to the radio does not give you insight to what's going on behind the scenes, and there are things getting done. But but the simple solution to what we're talking about... If you're not talking about... If you're not letting people know what you guys are doing, how will we know? You just said listening to your radio is not going to inform us about what's going on behind the scenes. Well, we need to know what's going on behind the scenes so that we can potentially get involved. Well, we we talk about these things on the radio program, sir. I, I mean, again, I don't know how long you listen to Black Talk Radio. We've been around for eight years. We have several different hosts. Uh, program hosts several different programs and we talk solutions see the same thing being said about black lives matter well where are they solutions well they got a they got a web page they got a whole bunch of policy policy solutions we share those policy solutions as people who disseminate information i know my role my role is like you said i have built a podcasting and a radio network that is unsurpassed in, in your opinion right that's my role. That's my role to facilitate the dialogue. I'm not going to run for president. I'm not going to, you know what I'm saying? I know where my skill set is. I know where my talents are best utilized. And so I'm employing my talents. 
So this is my, this, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. I don't take on more than what I should take on or, or that is beyond my skill set and my talents. I, Malcolm X gave me a vision to create a, a media platform for black people that is unfiltered to where we can have dialogue, to where we can disseminate information uh, uh, without other people controlling it. I have fulfilled that vision, but I'm still building on that vision because we want media centers across the across this country with digital radio stations and local people in there working on it. So that's my job. That's my job. This this abolitionist show and my other show. This is my role as a radio host to bring you information that you're not gonna get from anywhere else. So I don't know what other people want me to do. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying you specifically. You know, as far as what what I want you, what I want you to do. I'm just su- making suggestions as far as how you could potentially add more listeners and get more people involved in your shows just by you know presenting what you're trying to do to and, and getting some of the, the, the some of the more people the, the the people that have a little bit of influence to come on your show and and, and, and let your listeners know hey this is the office that I work out of or this is what we are involved in and this is the organization that we deal with you know and this is how you can get in you know, uh, and, and this is what you can you can do. You know, to to help out. Um, I know that you 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 pretty much gone almost as far as you probably can go with with what you're doing. But that's not to say that you can't do more with your show. Oh no, I haven't done as much as I can do. I can go further. You know, that's, that's why you, we set up a new a nonprofit. That's what I just said. You can go. There's a lot more you can do. You know. But I just hate, you know, that's a lot of our problems as far as, as black men, and, and I'm speaking as just just for black men, is we're, we're, a lot, we're angry. We got a lot of anger. And that anger causes us to do silly and stupid shit. Excuse my, excuse my French. And, 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 and it's not helping us to focus it's just like, here's an analogy real quick, and I'm going to get off. you got a slave plantation, and you got a slave master, and the slaves are standing in front of the, in the front yard, and, and, and the slave master comes out the front door, and he says, all right, everybody, you're all free. And, the, and, and he, closes the, he goes back inside, he closes the door. And one slave says to the other, they look at each other and they say, we free, what that mean? Well, the other slave says, it means we can do what we want to do from now on. And then that slave says, well, what are we going to do? And that slave says, well, I don't know. Let me figure it out first. See, because the whole time they were on the plantation, they were never thinking about strategically and methodically thinking about how they could get away. Harriet Tubman was thinking methodically and strategically about how she could get away successfully. 
Okay. He wasn't constantly staying in an anger mode. Okay. Well, even, okay. Well, thank you, sir. Um, we, we've Why given you about five minutes, mind, and, and we only got like. Back. Excuse me. Excuse me, sir. Cycle anger, so it never enabled them to think about anything else. Excuse about, me. Now they free. They don't know what. Okay. Look, that's being disrespectful when you don't heed the host and we only got a limited time. So I can tell right now that you did not even comprehend because the whole source of my my disagreement with Max was that the woman, Korean uh, Gaines, acted in a, a unconstructive manner because of her anger at police. I just sat up there and said that I don't want to see Max get killed because he tired of dealing with with police and if they came to get him he's gonna make a stand that's what get that's why that's what set me off is that i'm tired of losing soldiers over stupid stuff so that was the whole point of my message and so for you to say that you know i'm on here just being an angry guy and 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 everything else that you said that's not that's counter to what i just got through telling max about career that was the whole point of our disagreement do I want my child, am I going to tell my child to be talking to slave catchers like that if I want her to make it home alive? So obviously I'm not allowing my anger to cause me to do something that's going to get me in trouble, all right? Uh, um, and, and if I, you know what, I ain't going to run from the label. I'll be the angry black guy because I was angry as hell when blog talk radio, a bunch of racist white supremacists kicked me off of their platform because I named my program Black Talk Radio and I'm talking about the things I'm talking about today and now in a manner that I'm talking about them and they, and they suspended me for a week. So I got very, very angry and I let that anger fuel uh, 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 my push to study the technology and, and build my own platform. So, you know, let's not like, act like anger, you know, is just, we're talking about blind rage where people's running around in a blind rage. That ain't me, cuz. That ain't me. Ain't never been me. All right? And I'm going to be angry at everything wrong that I see. If people don't want to hear it, they can tune the fuck out. I don't give a damn. We keeping it real on this network. We ain't on here to be nice. We ain't on here to to make you feel good or at ease. I, I aim to make you angry about slavery. And if you want to talk about solutions, the solution to ending slavery is abolishment. It's that damn simple. We don't need to come up. We don't need to set up no think tanks and spend a whole bunch of money paying people sitting around thinking about how to end slavery all right it's very simple to end slavery you abolish it and and if they won't abolish it well we know last time it took blood it took blood and it took bullets and so if, it, if they want to take it there then that's eventually what the outcome gonna be damn right i'm angry Johanan, um you on bro well, I would say peace to the abolitionists, but uh sound like I came in on the part where we talking about death to the oppressor. I uh apologize for my you know, being late. Of course y'all know my situation, so I mean I'm getting in one. Yeah, I no can. apologies needed. 
just wow, man. I sat here and listened to this brother's talk, and I know, I hope that I know that he had a good intention. I'm just going to make that assumption. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt, as they say, that he had good intentions. But, I mean, obviously not listening to the program in depth or comprehending what he's hearing or listening over a long period of time because we have guests, like you said, all the time on this program that's offering the solutions, this enhancing and, and agreeing with what we talk about as solutions. We all are involved. you got a radio network he had to take his hat off to when he came on. Max is out here in the field. I'm out here in the field. We out here doing what we can do to tell people the solutions. We talk about it politically. We talk about it financially. We talk about it legislatively. We talk about it from straight-up self-defense. I mean, every kind of angle you can talk about how to end slavery. We, we identify every aspect of everything that was 1865 pre-slavery and everything that has been 1865 post-slavery and today and make all those connections. We are arming people with the truth, with the facts, and not standing down, not bowing down, not being afraid when our own personal lives and the lives of our family is in danger and, and in question and being looked at and investigated and followed around and listened to and everything else. So, I mean, I'm listening to this or whatever, and now I didn't mess around and got angry. Because coming on here and talking like that is, is ridiculous. I mean, this, this program has done this for so many years before I even got to it, and I know since I've been on it, and no one has ever disputed anything we said. You're not going to find a record like that out here in any other form of media, in any other form of news or whatever, informing people that's like our record. It has not been one person that has disputed what we said or been able to take us back from what we said and, and show us where we were wrong or where we lied or where we went for the okey-doke or whatever. So now I'm a little upset because I don't care too much for criticism of what we're talking about, especially if you don't have no better solution, then you need to get in with the abolitionists. we got a group called Move to Abolish 21st Century Slavery and Human Trafficking. We support several other groups like the Free Alabama Movement, the Free Mississippi Movement. We support all these different groups locally, nationally, politically, spiritually, financially, on and on and on. So we're working to get the solutions to people. The problem with the community is not a bunch of black men walking around angry. The problem with the community is a bunch of niggas that's ap apathetic to the problem. Just like it was in slavery of 1865 when they told you it's something like two million black folks that's enslaved in a good 500,000 plus that's walking around free, Solomon Northrop style. That's looking and, well, that's just too bad. Guess what? It's going on right now the same way. Black folks, brown folks, the primary people on the plantation walking around looking. That's just too bad. That's just too bad. I got more black folks that tell me, well, what do you want them to do with all the criminals if you don't want them going to prison? Nobody ever said that there shouldn't be some form of separated sociopaths and violent people from the general population. We're talking about over a million people that's in prison strictly because of prohibition which white folks ended prohibition when it was killing white folks. So how dare you sit up here and act like you don't understand what's going on when they got prohibition going primarily against black folks. Law enforcement tells you themselves, we don't go into other neighborhoods and enforce these laws because somebody would complain. Somebody would go downtown and tell the mayor. Somebody is friends with the mayor. Somebody is going to the country club with the governor. And they would go right on down there and be like, are you crazy coming in my neighborhood kicking in the doors because we snorting this coke? You were snorting the coke with us. But they will victimize black folks day in, day out, and generate trillions of dollars of revenue off of it. And you're going to tell us our problem is because we're angry? We ain't got angry enough. 
I mean, Max sat up there and talked to one of the presidential contenders who everybody right. thought was going. So, you know, you know, again, you have to listen to this station long term. We talk about the initiatives that we engaged in. But my main mission is a, is my specialty is mass communications. All right. Malcolm X said media is the most powerful entity on the face of the planet. It controls the minds of the masses. That's my sole focus. It's the bill of media network, an independent media network. I ain't talking about just this platform. I'm not talking about just this station. But I'm talking about a national network. All right? A national network. And so, yeah, I can do more, and I'm doing the best that I can with the resources that I have. I, I think I've done a lot with a little bit. But in terms of implementing solutions, man, we got a we we got I don't know we got a you know we got our foot in every camp just about you know it's nobody that we have said that we won't work with Max even though he was saying Bernie Sanders sheepdogging for Hillary Clinton y'all she he a fraud Max said this early on but Max still went and got a meeting down there in South Carolina with Bernie Sanders campaign and we was and Max of course was pushing abolition pushing abolition so you know we are not just a bunch of angry black men on the radio just because we get angry and we express emotion because we're human beings you know don't don't take that the wrong way and everything that we do ain't for everybody to know you that's how the enemy destroys you because we tell every damn thing we doing if i may I'm not going to burn the brother. I appreciate him calling in and giving us his thoughts, however we may feel about it. Uh, I think that the idea that we're called abolitionists tells you everything you need to know. Like when you tune in to the radio station or the program New Abolitionist Radio, that tells you a lot that there's an abolitionist movement and that abolition is an option versus what? Versus legalized slavery. But for this record, I, I would like to just read some of the abolitionist goals. They're very simple, very clear, so everybody understands them. Uh, these were published in Big Blue uh, Magazine in 2014. Shout out to Madison Page. Uh, as abolitionists, our goals is to see the immediate and complete abolition of prison for profit punishment for sale through federal and private corporations. We rightly view this as the latest version in an unbroken line of slavery and human trafficking by the U.S. government. We want all private prisons in the U.S. abolished, including private probation companies and all the satellite companies profiting off the prison system. We want Congress to reject and remove the 13th Amendment Slavery Abolition Exception Clause, which allows for the continued existence of modern slavery through the very Constitution we die to protect. We want to see the 60% plus of the current 2.4 million adult inmates who have been incarcerated for nonviolent drug-related charges immediately released into freedom and all prison-related debts abolished. We want all individual U.S. states to officially and unequivocally end slavery in their state constitutions. All constitutional allowances for slavery or indentured servitude must be abolished. We want all 37 states, which in 2013 enacted legislation allowing private international corporations to use prison labor for commercial goods and services to abolish such legislation immediately. We want 
the abolition of all local, state, and federal laws which criminalize a race of people, a culture, or an economic condition such as the war on drugs, marijuana laws, anti-homeless laws, immigration laws, and debtor laws. We want the abolition of all privately owned youth detention facilities and halfway houses. America incarcerates 2 million children a year with 95% arrested for nonviolent crimes. It must end now. We want all political prisoners freed immediately. An end to solitary confinement, torture. And these are the goals. Not all of them, but our main goals here at New Abolitionist Radio. Amen to those goals. And just one quick note, you know, again, I'm not one to sit up and and want people to acknowledge me for doing this or doing that. You know, my mom taught me to be a humble person. You know what I'm saying? If if people recognize what you're doing, they recognize what you're doing. But not because you out there blowing your own horn. But I do believe with all my heart that that film, The 13th, which will debut on Netflix and theaters on October the 7th um, by the director of, what's her name, Ava DuVernay. Ava DuVernay, yeah. I do believe that is the direct result of this program. I do believe that, that nobody else on no other platforms are talking about this, all right, in, in the manner that we have talked about it for the past three going on for uh, four years. I do believe as a direct result of our agitating, our agitating, okay, I'm going to say it again, agitating. I do believe that is why Colorado removed the slavery exception clause from its uh, 13th Amendment. I, it's not called the 13th Amendment, but they have a similar amendment that Article. abolishes slavery except for punishment for crime. I do believe it is a direct result of the abolitionist movement, which we are a part of, that I believe caused those legislatures to remove the slavery exception clause. I know for a fact this is one of the reasons it was introduced in Indiana, although it failed. So, uh, again, I'm not one to toot my own horn, but I'm proud of the movement we've been a part of, and we have been affecting change. Just not as much change as I would like to see. I'm tired. I want slavery over yesterday. Amen to that, brother. Amen to that. We got to call Max. This is the last caller. uh, Area code. Let's take the last caller, and then we got to get on our last segments. Yeah, uh, Eric Cole, 701, thank you for hanging in there patiently. Go ahead with your question or comment. Yes, hello, how are you? First. Greetings. Welcome to New Abolitionist Radio. Thank you. First, I have a couple of comments. First, I'd like to say that about anger. I'm a teacher, and uh, they had wanted and was going to pay me quite a bit of money to teach a workshop or teach um, so-called at-risk black children not to be angry. And they were getting grants for this. And my thoughts on this was always, they didn't have anything else. They needed this anger. You know, you and, and because I've talked to many of these children, lots of them are on drugs. They're very depressed. They don't have, you know, any hope for anything. But um, the way that people are being um, destroyed, they have to have anger. You have to have some anger. And that Mm -hmm. also put me, I'm always caught angry. Oh, I mean, white, by white people. If I talk like I'm talking now, oh, you're so angry. You're damn straight. I'm angry. Now, and then Shiva. Now, I don't know if you know anything about, um, you know, um, Asian or 
and then um, history, but Shiva. Shiva gets angry and Kundalini rises and he shoots out his third eye and destroys. Or when Durga went into battle, she gets angry and they call Durga because they couldn't get rid of the demons. So when Durga gets angry, Kali comes out of her head. Kali Ma, the black goddess, you know, if you know about Kali, anything about that. So I had to comment on this anger. You've got to have some anger. Yes, you do. You've got to have some anger. And that, but I also wanted to say this for the, one of the first caller you had, he was talking about a movie, it's from a book called Beloved, and it was made also into a movie, it's by Toni Morrison, and the slave catchers came to take her, and she, she sawed her baby's head off. Now, I even had people say, oh, that's just terrible. She sawed the baby's head off, and I said, I'm so glad she did that. And a lot of people just couldn't deal with me saying this. But I will say this. The atrocities, if you have even studied even a fraction of the atrocities committed during slavery, you would not want your child to go into slavery. Mm. She saw the baby's head off. Do you have any idea if you really go into it and see how what has happened? Not just, oh, my gosh, it'll make you sick to your stomach. Mm. And so this also leads up to you, you showed how a woman was framed for drugs. You showed how Sandra Blind was killed in jail, so I can really see why Corin Gaines did what she did. Mm. Now, for all we know, she was protecting herself and her child, and she probably also felt, I know you might not like this, but this, hey, this is it. She might wasn't expecting this. The child happened to be there. She, do you actually think that she was going to be alive? Do you actually think, what do you think they were going to do to her once, if they got her, their hands on her? They were going to kill her. Now, they're killing little boys who walk down the street eating Skittles. They kill any damn body. You can sit in your car and they'll kill you. And so you don't think they, you actually think she's going to be okay? Now, see, also, I'm gonna, I want to point something else out. When Trayvon Martin was shot, that was, have you heard in history the shot heard around the world that they used supposedly to start the Revolutionary War? That was the shot heard around the world because it was the signal that they could do whatever they fucking wanted to do to black people. Mm -hmm. Have you noticed what's happened? It's not that these things weren't already happening. That's what the thing about it is, but this was publicized. And it was publicized because it was a message. You can do what the heck you want to do. And this is what is happening. So I would get games because this is another shot heard around the world. And that brings up another book. Stephen King, when he wrote The Stand. And those people had to go through shit. They stood up because the evil was there. And that's what I look at for her. I know what you may feel. But that's the way I feel. She made a stand. And that's what people need to do because none of these people need to stand in the few. Everybody's dying. Come on. You actually think that she would be able to talk the next day? No. No. And let's remember, there was a song called Freedom, Freedom, Before I'll Be a Slave, I'll Be Buried in My Grave. You mm -hmm. ever heard that old spiritual? Mm -hmm. And that's the way it should be. Live free or die. And that was, you know, it's, 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 I mean, please. So, yeah. So then, you know, so. I hear you, sister. Well, that's nice, sister. Comment. Thank you for that. Thank you for that word. Well, thank you for I'm calling a in and sharing. I'm a poet, and that's what I do with my anger. I turn it into something constructive, usually in my poetry or my words or expressions, to try to educate those around me and learn out loud myself. And we do need to be angry. And 
I'm, I, I feel where you're coming from because you and I see this from the same perspective. Like, they were there to kidnap her. What else was yeah, she supposed yeah. to do? Well, like I was no saying, point. I don't, again, don't know the situation or the mindset. If she was was uh, wanting to survive that situation, then there were other steps she could have possibly taken. I'm in mm-hmm. full agreement that that still doesn't mean they wouldn't have killed her later. But I'm also saying I'm going to stand by if I decide to do Mecca, and I know she didn't have an opportunity to, to pick the time and place if they rolled up on them like that, uh, but if I'm going to do Mecca, I'm, I'm following in the footsteps of Micah Johnson. That's who I'm following in his footsteps. I'm not going – I'm, I'm going to to uh, make sure that my sacrifice reaps the most benefits it possibly can and whatnot. So, again, I, I don't tell anybody what to do. You know what I'm saying? I'm just analyzing the situation. I know my daughter, you know, um, she has a propensity to even sometimes get snappy with me. And I don't want her out there getting snappy with some racist cop you know, on these back roads in the country where we live, and then, you know, the next time I see her, I'm burying her, you know. Uh, like I told her last time, they had a problem with a cop in Mount Holly. What's his name? What's his badge number? You know, let's go down there and 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 let them know, you know, that you got family and you ain't up here by yourself and just put something in his mind, you know, if you know what I'm saying. But listen, we got, um, we only got a few minutes and we got a two segments still to go the underground railroad and i did record the abolitionist in profile for this week max uh, indeed I, I would just like to point out and i just shared it to new abolitionist radio on july 17th of 2014 i wrote an article called what to do when you were stopped by cops and it was dedicated to my daughters so two years ago i was telling my daughters what to do and it's right there for everybody else to see all right, so uh, first is going to be, uh, we have to do our Rider of the 21st Century Underground Railroad. Scotty, just give me a second to try to find it here on our long list of today's things that we had. Here it is. All right, every uh, week we have these two segments that we do, our Rider of the 21st Century Underground Railroad and our Abolitionist in Profile. This is our Rider. Man convicted of Brooklyn murder exonerated after 52 years. Paul Gatlin. Come November eight, come November eighty-one, year old Paul Gatling got to do something that many Americans take for granted. He got to vote for a presidential candidate. Brooklyn District Attorney Ken Thompson vacated Gatling's sixty-four murder conviction on, on in April of two thousand and sixteen. Uh, I'm trying to read this in the present tense when it's written uh, prior to it happening. So. It's, you know what I'll do? I'll just read it as it is. Brooklyn District Attorney Ken Thompson vacated Gatling's 64 murder conviction on Monday and restored his rights, including his right to vote. I want my name cleared, Gatling told NBC News before Thompson made it official. Most of all, I just want to vote before I die. The delighted Gatling said his only regret is that President Obama won't be on the ballot. That's a big deal for me, Gatling said. I, could be, I couldn't vote for the first black president. But Gatlin declined to say who he would vote for in November. Thompson said full justice for Gatlin was a long time coming. Paul Gatlin repeatedly proclaimed his innocence even as he faced the death penalty back in the 60s. The DA said in the sentence he was pressured to plead guilty and sadly did not receive a fair trial. Today, 52 years later, he will be given back his good name and receive, a, receive justice here in Brooklyn, where he once called home. Gatlin's ordeal 
began on October 15, 63, when a gunman burst into the home of well-known Brooklyn artist named Lawrence Rothbard and killed him with a shotgun blast. Fingered as a possible suspect by a felon, the then 29-year-old decorated Korean War veteran found himself being grilled by detectives, even though the only eyewitness, Rothbard's pregnant wife Marlene, could not at first pick him out of a lineup. When Marlene Rothbard changed her mind, Gatling said he knew he was doomed. The cops told me they would make sure I was convicted, and the lawyers said they were going to execute me. He said I was a young black man with the white pregnant wife in front of the all-white jury pointing me out. It was over. So at the urging of his family and lawyers, Gatlin pleaded guilty to avoid the electric chair and was hit with 30 years to life sentence and sent to Attica. But Gatlin continued to insist on his innocence and got the help of a young legal aid lawyer named Malvina Nathanson. It, took, it soon became clear that there was something wrong with the case, Nathanson said. It was long, wasn't long before I came to believe that Paul was 100% innocent. Uh, I'm not going to read the rest of this story, but he got out and he got his name cleared, and now he is an innocent man at 81, able to vote. And we here at New Abolitionist Radio salute you, Brother Paul Gatlin. Salute, and salute to Ken Thompson. He just keeps on doing abolitionist work. Indeed. Right. Salute, salute, salute. Well, our next segment will be our abolitionist in profile, where we can remember our ancestors, and even some of those contemporaries who are today doing work like Angela Davis. Uh, and today our abolitionist in profile has been pre-recorded by Brother Scotty Reed. William Wells Brown, abolitionist. William Wells Brown was born into slavery in 1814 with much of his childhood spent being abused in St. Louis, Missouri. In one of his numerous attempts to escape, he and his mother were caught and the two were then separated. Brown's mother was sold and shipped south to New Orleans and the young William would never see his mother again. At the age of 20 years old, William was finally able to escape his enslavement on January 1st, 1834 and made his way north, eventually settling down in Buffalo, New York, where he worked on steamboats. Brown, not being satisfied with obtaining his own emancipation from slavery, assisted in the work of the Underground Railroad to help victims of slavery to Canada. In the 1840s, Brown joined the abolitionist movement, attending conventions where he worked on committees and gave speeches towards abolishing slavery. In 1847, Brown was hired as a professional public speaker by the Massachusetts Anti-Slavery Society, prompting him to move to Boston. It was also in 1847 that he published his narrative of William W. Brown, a fugitive slave, which was widely read and revered during his time. Due to the threat that the Fugitive Slave Act of 1850 posed to Brown's self-emancipation from slavery, he was forced to travel to England and live there for five years, returning to the United States before the eruption of the Civil War in 1861. After the end of the Civil War in 1865, Brown continued to write and published three volumes on black history, a novel, travel logs, a play, and a collection of abolitionist songs. Before Brown passed away in 1884 at the age of 70, he was regarded as the foremost black writer in the United States and also found the time to become a physician. New Abolitionist Radio salutes the memory and work of abolitionist 
William Wells Brown. Salute. Yeah, brother was strong, man. I mean, he emancipated himself, but then the story, you know, it, it kind of ties into some of the things, the caller, the last um, uh, black woman who we had call in and talk about the the uh, enslaved African killing her child. And, you know, when I was uh, reading over his biography, I was just thinking about how long they've been breaking up the black family. Don't even know who his daddy was, you know what I'm saying? Because that could have just been any book, you know, from any plantation. Y'all know how they breeded them like animals, so he never knew who his father, you know, was. Um, and then, but he never quit trying to get free and finally got his own, you know, emancipated himself at the age of 20, but then, you know, did what he did as an abolitionist, man. This, this man is an inspiration. Indeed, indeed. Well, I guess we're running pretty long, so I'll just say peace to the abolitionists and death to these oppressors, man. It's crazy. Indeed, man. We're up to 8 o'clock, so I guess it's just our final statements is what we normally say at the end of any, every program. Scotty? Um, yes, peace to the abolition. I'm, man, I'm, I'm taking it, okay? Can I borrow it tonight? <laughs> because that's what it say, you know. Peace to the abolitionists. <laughs> If you are oppressor or if you are apathetic and you sitting on the sidelines and you don't want you you know you want to think that we're going to plow up the ground without putting in the work or you know you want the rain without the thunder like Ray, Frederick Douglass said you know you know just ah uh, man it's time to quit being apathetic or thinking like you know um we're not dealing with the most evil thing on the planet, man. And that just, I'm angry about, I'm, you know, if I'm not angry about it, man, then I, I may end up like, you know, just apathetic and not give a damn and be playing my fiddle, getting paid by white folks. I don't know. Peace. Have a listen. Oh, Johanna, anything? No, I'm good. I'm good. Well, all I got to say is this, have listen. The end of slavery is a reason for a revolution so we can finally know some peace. Peace. Just lift your eyes up, let your wise rise up, see the signs of the times if it's time. Rise up, rise up, when death and hell dwell among all God's people. When those we chose and trusted have become completely corrupted and inherently evil. When the feast that feeds you starves our father's children. When snuff porn and pedo forms begin to get top billing. Rise up, when famine claims millions. When justice gives